Welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor, Michael Norman. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. Thank you. Um, You told me to wear my checkered shirt, and I was really disappointed. I got here, and he wore his purple one, and I wore my red. And he said, hey, I just wanted to coordinate. I didn't want to match. So you look trendy, and I look like I ate a picnic. (laughs) Thanks a lot. (laughs) So, um, yeah, thank you so much. Open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3, and uh, that's where we're going to spend our time this morning. And I want to talk to you about loyalty and faithfulness. Loyalty and faithfulness. And uh, I was going to say this is a side note, but I, I really think this is more of, of a lead-in to what we're, what we're discussing. Um, Crystal and I actually just changed roles. We have worked with um, college ministry and Chi Alpha Christian Fellowship for the last um, decade and a half. And we met you guys some eight years ago whenever we were raising funds to go and start a ministry at Duke University in North Carolina. So you guys have supported us consistently uh, in a kingdom-building way for almost a decade now, and so some eight years or so. And so we just wanted to say this morning, thank you so much. Uh, We've shifted roles, and um, essentially my new job, I just serve different department ministry leaders for uh, in the North Texas District Office, which is just sort of the oversight administration of Fellowship of Churches in the North Texas area. And uh, so now that we're doing that, we've transitioned out of serving as um, what for us has been the greatest privilege, and, and my kids are giving us a lot of grief about it, serving as campus missionaries. And so just thank you for all the years that you supported us financially. Um, the nature of missionary labor is that the Lord calls someone to a place in a context where it is not self-sustaining in the way that a church is, where we consistently give to be able to enable ministry, this building, our pastoral staff, missionary endeavors, whether they are overseas or they are in some sort of context within the country, are more agile, lean, and require a lot of giving to get anything done. And I just want to say thank you for who you give to. Thank you for giving to us all these years. Uh, You've been very precious to us, and, and we we wouldn't have had the wonderful years we had without you. So I'm grateful. Thank you for being loyal. Thank you for being faithful. Proverbs chapter three, uh, this morning, I I want to discuss some things that really just came out of my devotional from, um, from earlier this week, to be quite honest. Um, one of the things I've found is that whenever I am struggling in terms of prayer, my mind is starting to wander. I'm just having one of those times where I don't want to pray. I know I should never have those times because I'm a missionary. You're like, what have we been giving to? You don't even want to pray. Sometimes I struggle with wanting to to pray. And one of the things that I've been doing this week to kind of get myself back into it is simply pray scripture. And if you're struggling with either getting back into a prayer life or starting one, period, you think, how can I pray beyond 30 seconds? I ask God for some things and I'm out of the things to say. I want to encourage you to do this. Pray scripture. 
So what I was doing is I was praying through these verses in Proverbs chapter 3. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man. And so what I was doing earlier this week is I never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. And I'm praying, Lord, I appreciate loyalty and faithfulness. I want to be a loyal and faithful person. I want loyal and faithful family and friends. I'm not always as loyal and faithful as I wish I was. Jesus, help me to be that. And as we pray scripture, we are praying good things. If we're praying for God to help us do the things he has told us to do in his word, we are praying good things. And so as I'm working through that and jotting notes down in the margins of my Bible, Sort of that's where this message this morning has come out of. Now, Proverbs, um, it's general wisdom. They are general, um, just truths about life, the world, the way that God has set them up. And what you'll find as you read through there is guidance in every major category of life. And so it's essentially this, the people of God should look and live differently. And one of the ways that we're talking about this morning that scripture says we should all, any of us who claim to love and follow Jesus, we should be like is we should be loyal and faithful people. We should be loyal and faithful people. If I asked you, what do you think of whenever we say the words loyal and faithful? I'm not sure about you, but I have a hard time getting a picture. Think of a dog. You know, my, my faithful and trusty German shepherd, Aslan, I think of him. But if I were to, am to ask you this, who do you think of when we say the words loyal and faithful? Almost always, we have been blessed enough to have at least somebody in our life who comes to mind. And that person that we picture, whenever we picture a person who is loyal and faithful, that's someone who we are grateful for. That's someone who we would do anything for in return. That's someone who in our hearts, we may be moved emotionally at the thought of them just because they show up, because they've been there no matter what being there has looked like or has cost them. And so I've I've mentioned this before, but one one of the ways I knew that I had found a good woman was whenever uh, Crystal and I were engaged, I came down with malaria from a missions trip. And so I was incredibly sick. I was in West Texas, not a place that's very familiar with treating the world's most consistent killer. And so my wife was, uh, at at that time, my my girlfriend, who was excited about marrying, uh, stayed at my bedside in the hospital and just, I, I got to see her affection tested. Now, loyalty and faithfulness are really easy when they cost us nothing. It's really under stress that we see the quality of our friendship, our marriage, our work, whatever. And so during that period of of days, whenever I was in a hospital, I was thinking to myself, I have found someone good. I would come out of fever, I would wake up, and there she would be sitting. I would need to go to the restroom, and she would pull my IV cart behind me, push it into the bathroom and shut the door with me. I mean, it was all these things that I didn't want her to have to be doing, but she was doing loyal and faithful. You just come to appreciate that, don't you? If you think about any relationship that we have, if we don't have loyalty and faithfulness, we don't really have much. I mean, any relationship that we have. 
The first point I want to make this morning is this. Loyalty and faithfulness are qualities that describe the type of people we would love to know and the type of people we should strive to be. And so the scripture says, never let these qualities leave you. Never let loyalty, never let faithfulness leave you. Now, these are two words that are kind of similar-ish, loyalty and faithfulness. We could maybe use them as kind of synonyms and interchangeable. And so if we're looking at kind of original language this morning and the words that are translated from Hebrew here, loyalty is, is this, this term of hesed, and it's this notion of God's committed, promise-filling love. Love and devotion, absent of selfishness, absent of hate. It's God's kind of promise-keeping love. The word for faithfulness has this idea of truthfulness and sincerity without hypocrisy. And so the scripture is telling us this morning to be the type of people who fulfill promises, who are faithful friends, people who are sincere and without hypocrisy. And there's no relationship in life that either doesn't benefit from these qualities or can't be utterly destroyed by the lack of them. Right? And so if you apply them to any category we can think of this morning, if we apply them to friendship, how refreshing is it for those of us who have somebody who maybe whenever we're kids, we're best friends with whoever lives in the neighborhood, right? You want to be my best friend? Yes, I do want to be your best friend. But as we get, as we get older, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 70s, 80s, whatever, we really tend to call a smaller circle of people our, our real friends. And as things are tested over a period of years, we really come to appreciate those who are loyal and faithful above all. And so this shows up in really practical ways. I can remember in college, um, breaking up with someone I needed breaking up with, and I'm talking to my friend on the phone. I lived in San Angelo, he lived in Odessa, and we're talking, and I was like, oh, we broke up, and I'm kind of bummed, and he goes, dude... The E will be there in two hours. I was like, what? He goes, dude, the E will be there in two hours. My friend Eric Jones. And in two hours, the E showed up in his black Dodge Ram and spent the weekend hanging out with me. That's something dumb that happened 18 years ago. I've never forgotten it. Because our best friends are those who were loyal and faithful. How wonderful is it to have a spouse who you've said I do and you've said for better or worse, but you know that whether you're with them or not, that's true. You know you can trust who they are with their friends when they're not with you, when they're with your co- with coworkers. A loyal and faithful spouse is a such an important thing. Those of you who are business owners or bosses in here, how hard is it to find a loyal and faithful employee? I just want someone who does all the things they said they were going to do when I was interviewing them and agreeing to give them lots of money. I just want them to do those things. Someone just said, amen. I just want them to do those things. I just want them to show up. I want them to do the job that I'm paying them for. And so what we see is that these basic qualities of loyalty and faithfulness are actually, they're like silver and gold. And any relationship that matters to us actually only flourishes if we can assume that the other party is going to be loyal and they are going to be faithful to the terms of of the relationship, whatever that is. 
And so that's why scripture says, never let this leave you. Well, if we don't have this, what do, what do we have? Would any of us brag about, you know, is there any, any woman in the room who would say, you know, my husband, he is mostly faithful and I love it. No. Would, would any of us who are in some sort of supervisory position or something like that at work and sort of oversee anybody on any level say about anyone in glowing terms, they usually do what they're supposed to do? No. And so if it's not always there, it kind of hurts. And yet, isn't it a tall order to always be loyal and faithful? I mean, don't, as I'm reading these and as I'm praying these that day, I'm a, I'm a little bit convicted. I'm thinking of how many times recently I've told my wife, yes, I'm going to paint that part of the house this weekend for about the last eight weeks. <laughs> I promise. Yeah, I'm going to get that done this weekend and things come up. And then over time, suddenly there's a trend of me saying, I'm going to do that and I'm not doing that. It manifests itself in really practical Little ways. This is the stuff of life. So there's a, there's a minister and an author by the name of Lewis Smeads, and he wrote this essay called The Power of Promising. And I have a quote. It's up here for you. And he's just talking about loyalty and faithfulness manifesting itself by following through on what we say we're going to do. When we make a promise, we take it on our feeble wills to keep a future rendezvous with someone in circumstances we cannot possibly predict. We take it on ourselves to create our future with someone else, no matter what fate or destiny may have in store. This is almost ultimate freedom. When you make a promise, you tie yourself to other persons by the unseen fibers of what? Loyalty. You agree to stick with the people you were stuck with. When everything else tells them they can count on nothing, they can count on you. A promise, then, is the human essence of freedom after the style of God. It is your freedom to be there with someone, even though you cannot tell what being there is going to look like for you. And so Jesus would dig down a little bit on this and say, I want us to be, I want you guys to be the type of person, as he's speaking to his disciples, for whom yes is yes and no is no, period. Because you have said you will do a thing. Because you have said you are this type of person, that you will be that type of person. How? I agree, but how? How can I be more consistently loyal and faithful? So the second point this morning is this. Loyalty and faithfulness are shown by the choices we make and the people we're becoming. And so Proverbs goes on and it says, tie these qualities around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. It's saying make, make literal choices to get loyalty and to get faithfulness in your life and to get it in your actions so consistently that more and more so it just becomes kind of who, who you are. That I can just become a person that tells my wife, I'm going to paint that house and I paint that house. That I can become a person who says, for better or worse, and I mean it, I stick, for better or worse. That I can become a person who sits in a job interview and says, yes, sir, I can do that. Yes, sir, I can do that. And day to day, whether I am being overseen or not, I do that. Why? Because I'm becoming, with God's help, a loyal and faithful person. 
what if, what if we haven't been loyal and faithful? What if we've let down our spouse? Or what if we've been slacking at work? What do we do then? Write down this reference because I didn't put it on screen for you. But it's Proverbs 16, verse 6. And it says this, wickedness is atoned for by loyalty and faithfulness. Wickedness is atoned for by loyalty and faithfulness. So shortcomings, when we haven't been loyalty and faithful, we begin to make that up by next time as we have opportunities, being loyal and faithful. It's just doing the slow work of building a reputation again by, I don't know, showing up on time, doing what we said we will do, doing what it takes to live pure Wickedness is atoned for by loyalty and faithfulness. Situational responses of of being the person, tying it around our neck, writing it on the tablet of our heart, being the person in a friendship who shows up to visit, not just when we want something, but when we, or when we need something, but when we are needed and when we are wanted, being that, being that person. So you go further down and Number three this morning I want to say is this, loyalty and faithfulness are so rare and they're so wonderful that these qualities are treasured by God and by people. Proverbs 3, 4 says, if we have this, then we will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and the sight of man. You know, it's really interesting. I mean, we're, we're so fragmented in our society and uh, we're at each other's throats in a lot of different ways, different beliefs, politically, you know, various types of things. Religiously, lots of people have different ideas about God. But you know something we can all agree on? Faithfulness and loyalty, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. And so one of the ways you see this play out is I say, if we look in scripture, you look in the Old Testament and you see people living in, um, living in captivity or being enslaved or just being in situations where they as God followers are powerless and have no sort of authority. You see people like Joseph rising up to power and uh, getting to serve sort of second in command in Egypt. Why? Because he was faithful. He was loyal. And he found favor with God and man. Even though the man had different ideas about who God was. He found favor. You look at Daniel and his brothers in the book of Daniel. They're, they're in a pagan area. They're working for people who have totally different views on the world, on religion, all of those sorts of things. And yet they rise and are given favor with God because of their faithfulness to him and favor with man. And they're given opportunities to... Effect. It's pretty basic stuff, really, right? But it's so incredibly important. If you look at um, staying sort of with this like workplace theme, I mean, most of us have to work a good eight hours a day, most every day of our lives, right? And so we're we're serving people. We're under authority. We have authority. And so, how is it? And what what does it take to continue to move up to do better for our family financially? All those sorts of things. Well, one of the things it takes even beyond skill is loyalty and faithfulness, building this trustworthy reputation. That you realize one of the things that is frequently said in the in the workplace. You know, somebody with with maybe less skill. Somebody without the degree, somebody without 
reasons that we would observe and appreciate somehow get promoted. And we look at that and we say something to the effect of, ah, it's all politics. Well, maybe sometimes, but you know what it is most of the time? Most of the time it's people skills. It's loyalty and faithfulness. It's the person who consistently shows up and doesn't call in sick. It's the person who's not talking about others in the workplace whenever other people aren't in the room. It's the person who's just bringing good stuff to work. They build loyalty and faithfulness, and it's a spiritual law. It says, if you do this, then you will find favor with God and man. It's a reaping and sowing type of deal, and of course it works spiritually in the kingdom as well. In Jesus' parable of the talents, you know, hey, you've, you've been faithful over a few things, Now let me make you ruler over many things. And so Jesus looks at us in our everyday life here, faithfulness and loyalty, whether we we have some high position or it's a lowly position, and he looks at those qualities that are demonstrated, and he says, hey, you, I need more of you in my kingdom. I need you to be in charge of more stuff because when nobody's been looking, you've been doing the work. You've maintained the attitude. You've been loyal. You've been faithful. I've been paying attention. That's why scripture says, do it as unto the Lord and not to man. Whatever we find ourselves doing, we do it like we're doing it for God. With loyalty, with faithfulness. Next point is this, loyalty and faithfulness are put to the test by stress and by selfishness. Loyalty and faithfulness are put to the test by stress and by selfishness. They're also proven in times of stress and whenever we act selflessly. It would be easy if it were easy So C.S. Lewis talks about virtues, and and he's talking about loyalty and faithfulness and really any good quality. And this is what he says. He says, courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form every virtue takes at its testing point, which means at the point of highest reality. That when we're trying to manifest any good quality, whenever it is tested and we're under stress and life isn't cooperating and we're not getting what we should be getting because we have been trying to be faithful, in that moment, that virtue takes the form of courage. Can we stick it out and keep manifesting this goodness? Because God wants us to, because we're his people, and because we want to maintain loyalty and faithfulness no matter what the circumstance. My son, Ethan, is, um, is a bit of a, of a wild man, and uh, Ethan's name means strong. And so one of the things that we've tried to say to him growing up, son, we don't hit our sisters. What does your name mean? It means strong. And what should we do? We should protect and not hurt. Yes, so use your strength to help. Use your strength to help. And, you know, we're tested in these ways over and over again. Whenever he was, had turned four, we were driving across the country, and we're in just a big hammering thunderstorm. And we're in our blue Honda Odyssey coming down Interstate 20, and we're just getting hammered by rain. And that did something to him and freaked him out for a period of time. When it would start raining heavy, he would freak out. He'd be terrified. He'd start crying and sort of covering his ears and wigging out. We're like, son, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. 
One day, um, I wasn't there. Crystal was coming home through a rainstorm, and she gets to the house with Ethan and the kids. Ethan's crying. He's, he's worried. And they're trying to get in the door, and Ethan grabs the door and opens it and goes, Get inside! Get inside! Get inside! And Crystal's saying, Honey, I'll take care of it. No, Mama, I've got to get in! Get in! And my little four-year-old boy is trying to take care of his sisters and his mama when he is absolutely terrified. And he's maintaining courage and trying to use his strength to help his family. I absolutely loved it. still love thinking about it. And I was talking with him that night when Crystal told me about it. I said, buddy, I am so proud of the way you were today. And he said, but I was scared. I was crying. I said, that makes it more special, really. That's courage, buddy, doing it whenever you're scared. You know, doing it because you were, you're protecting your mama and your sisters. You were doing your best. That was awesome. Faithfulness and loyalty take courage to maintain. To stick it out when it's not hard, when it's not being paid back, when it's not being given back to us. You know who the ultimate example of this is? I know you do. Whenever Jesus was headed toward the cross, he, um, he's spending some time praying for strength to endure what he's about to have to endure. And you know the passage. It's, it's frequently just titled in, in different Bibles, a little script written at the top, the Garden of Gethsemane. Whenever Jesus takes a few of his disciples and, and he is going to ask for strength from his, from his father to get through what he's about to have to go through. And so Matthew chapter 26 says this, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he told his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Jesus knew what was coming his way. And he said, my soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Loyalty and faithfulness, they're tested in times of stress. And for Jesus here, the ultimate stress. Luke chapter 22 says, shows us that Jesus was manifesting a medical condition called hematidrosis, where he was literally sweating blood. I read last night about the case of a little girl in an elementary school who had gotten in a fight. And it was so stressful, and the teacher sent her outside and said, we're calling your parents, and she was freaking out so much that over the course of about an hour sitting outside in the hall, she began to sweat blood through her scalp. And so this is something that it manifests in some times of just, it doesn't happen frequently, but in times of just extreme stress and fear. And Luke 22 says, as Jesus is praying, his sweat came to the ground in drops of blood. He knows what is coming. His soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. He's horrified. And what he wants his friends to do, stay awake and pray with me. Going a little further, he falls face down and prays, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. He asked Peter, so couldn't you stay awake with me for one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation, so that you won't bail on me. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came again and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. So Jesus is in his ultimate moment. It's been written about. It's been prophesied. He knows why he is in the world to be loyal and faithful till the end. And yet that is being tested under ultimate stress in a time of incredible fear. And he is saying to his father, if we can do this different, wouldn't mind doing it different. But your will, not my will, be done. My son, but I was scared. Jesus, my soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. And yet he's continuing to march forward and do it. You realize that Jesus and the disciples were being tested concerning the same virtues of loyalty and faithfulness in different ways. I don't know that the disciples fully realized what was going on, but they're facing a test of loyalty and faithfulness as well. Stay awake. Stay with me. I need you right now. And Jesus' test of loyalty and faithfulness on an even higher level. And you know the rest of the story. The mob comes to arrest him a few moments later. One of the disciples freaks out and pulls out a sword and whacks off an ear. And Jesus says, listen, don't you know that if I wanted to make this end, I could call down a legion of angels and this would be over? And yet he was loyal. When his point of testing came, loyalty and faithfulness were written on his heart. It's powerful. So I don't know about you. But there are plenty of times where I'm not nearly under that stress, yet I'm still struggling to maintain loyalty and faithfulness in our life in a million different ways. I'm not trying to do the job of convicting any of you because we all struggle on this point somewhere. I'm just saying we need Jesus' help, don't we? You realize that's one of the encouraging things about Scripture. What is promised in the new birth and committing our life to to Christ is that God says he will take our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. And one of the really interesting things, if you study heart transplants or do any reading about that, is um, they say it's kind of a magical thing that you put the heart in and you sew it up and you do what you do, and then the doctors stand back and ultimately that thing's going to start beating or, or it's not. And one of the amazing things that has happened is that people have reported having new cravings and different desires. The cellular memory goes so deep in them that it literally begins to change some things about them. Whenever the Bible tells us that God will give us a new heart, obviously we don't become perfect right away, but boy, do we begin to want what he wants Loyalty and faithfulness, I'm not always loyal and faithful, God, but oh, I want to be. Make me who you want me to be. Help me live that out step by step and situation by situation. Help me be loyal and faithful. So, the final thought is just this. Loyalty and faithfulness are personified in Jesus, and they are exemplified in the cross. He was loyal and faithful until the end. You know, Jesus came to die for us because God's created people were incapable of being loyal and faithful to God. And so Proverbs 16.6, we said that it says wickedness is atoned for by loyalty and faithfulness. 
It turns out the gospel is that our wickedness is atoned for by Jesus' loyalty and faithfulness. That he lives how we couldn't live. He does what we can't do and says, if you will trust me to give you a new heart, if you will bank on my death in your place, I will do what you can't do, and then I'm going to start living it out through you. That's a big deal. That is the gospel. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we love you. You are good to us, and you are, you are wonderful. You said so clearly in your word that all of us have sinned and fallen short. That none of us, no one in here, no one in the world, no one in any sanctuary, shopping center, nightclub, has been able to be faithful enough and loyal enough to you to not need your redemption, to not need salvation. Lord, we can't be surprised by this. It's so hard for us to live up to what we know we should do in our own heart. Of course, we fall short of your heart for us. We ask you this morning to begin just and continue doing transformational work in our life. Make us loyal and faithful people. For maybe those of us in the room who may not know you this morning, call us to yourself. Through your Holy Spirit, give invitation, draw us. And as decisions are made, give us that new heart that you speak about, removing our heart of stone, giving us a heart of flesh, helping us want what you want, and increasingly, day by day, to do what you would do. Every head still bowed. I do want to give that invitation this morning. I think it'd be foolish to talk about how we can only be faithful and loyal with the redemptive work of God in our life. I do want to ask you that. Is there anyone in here that you would say, I do need God in my life. I need Jesus to save me. I need to receive the life he extends to me whenever he died on that cross and was, was resurrected. If you're, you're in here and you would like to receive the Lord, I'd love to pray with you. I don't have to have you come up here. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And there's no perfect prayer that saves you, but the commitment that you're making to God, that will save you. And the community that you found here, they will walk with you. Is there anyone here this morning that by raising your hand, you would say, that is me. I need Jesus. I need the Lord. I need to be saved. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else this morning? Wonderful. Well, I'm going to pray, and I would just like you to pray to the Lord as well. Jesus, we love you, and we ask your forgiveness for our sins. This morning you've convicted our hearts and yet also extended the offer of life. We ask you to help us be the people we can be. The fathers we can be, the mothers we can be, the friends, the workers. Lord, most of all, we just want to be your children. We want to be in right relationship with you. We commit our life to you seek your forgiveness and receive your forgiveness. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Grace Hill is always about knowing God and growing in God, and we want to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or a question, you can email us at info at gracehill.cc.